Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hello. Hey, guys. So today on the show, we have a very special co-host with us, and that is our buddy, Shoop. Shoop is an old friend of the show and an old friend of all of ours. So, uh, Shoop, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get started. Uh, hey, everyone. My name is Mike, a.k.a. Shoop. Uh, a little bit about myself is, first off, I have known Adam since we were about two years old, I would say, and I've known Paul yep. and Brian uh, throughout middle school, high school, and, and obviously until now. Um, a little yep. bit about myself is I'm currently a teacher and a coach. I currently coach high school football. And I used to coach and play college baseball. I was always an athlete, but secretly, I had a little nerd in me as well. <laughs> uh, you know, got to love some gaming and stuff. So I really love sports, gaming, yeah. wrestling, Michigan football, basketball, and of Boo. course, <laughs> and of course, <laughs> women. And uh, that's me in a nutshell. There you go. So, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, glad to have you here, man. We, we try not to hold the fact that he's a Michigan fan against him. <laughs> I was going to say, it checks off all my boxes. Like, ooh, Michigan football. I don't know. <laughs> Better than Ohio State, though. Better than Ohio State. Yeah. That's right. That's right. You sure that's... you want to out yourself as a nerd live on radio? I mean, yeah, no. It's kind of rough. After, after 30-some years, he finally told the world... <laughs> Being a nerd is cool now, though, so... It's true. That's right, it's true. that's right. I've been saying that for years, it hasn't changed. <laughs> touche, touche. <laughs> hey, if you say it enough, eventually it becomes true, right? Exactly. Every day. <laughs> well, it's been about a month since you all last heard from us. We have 24 other tubular episodes, <laughs> plus some fun additional content. Last time I talked about Netscape Navigator... And if you didn't check it out, you might want to go back and give it a listen. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I, pro- I promise you, you won't fall asleep, mostly. <laughs> but you can find that and all our additional episodes at datingourselvespodcast.com, on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcasts. We really appreciate our listener support, and we'd like to share some kind words left by one of those listeners on iTunes about our show. If you'd like to leave your own five-star written review on iTunes, we would definitely love to read it on air as a way to say thanks. So here's this week's five-star review. It's from Kelly Swebber. Maybe, maybe... I don't know. Could be anything. <laughs> Could be anything. <laughs> Could be Kelly's Weber. Maybe like a grill. There you yeah, go. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, big into barbecue. Kelly says, awesome group that takes you back in time an hour. Love the banter and topics. Thank you, Kel East Weber. Five-star reviews <laughs> are always encouraged, and be sure to tell your friends about Dating Ourselves podcasts. Yeah, so let's get started. This week, I'm going to be talking about professional wrestler... Kane. A topic submitted by our buddy Mike S. from Northern California, and I gotta say we're delighted to have Shoop on the show, who is a, as he mentioned at the top of the show, huge wrestling fanatic. He may not have specified how huge, but he's a he's, huge. he's a wrestling huge. aficionado. So, oh, huge. huge. <laughs> yeah, Shoop, Shoop and I actually grew up watching wrestling together. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's the one that got me into wrestling originally. I would like to say uh, real quick, guys, uh, it's kind of ironic that Mike S. submitted this. That's all. <laughs> yeah. That's all I would have to say on that. It wasn't me, I promise. <laughs> it is kind of strange. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> uh, all right. So remember that we will pick next week's topic at the end of this episode. We'll also have some nostalgia combat. Nostalgia combat. It'll be Adam and the Animorphs versus Paul and Back to the 90s YouTube music video. We will also go back to our old friend, the Hopper of Imagination, to get a topic for Brian. That's right. So, Brian, tell us about Kane. Kane, Big Red Machine. Uh, He was born Glenn Thomas Jacobs on April 26, 1967, 
in Spain, and Ooh. he was actually Ooh. raised most of his uh, adolescence and childhood near St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, he played football and basketball because he was uh, seven foot tall um, by the age of like and you can't 16. Teach that. So, no, no, you can't teach being seven foot tall. <laughs> Take it from any of us on this show. You definitely cannot teach that. Uh, <laughs> especially me. Especially me. <laughs> um, yeah, so he got into wrestling pretty early. In the early to mid 90s, he wrestled as Angus King. Doomsday, the Christmas creature, and a whole bunch of other names and smaller <laughs> the promotions. Christmas creature, yeah, oh, that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, so I want to are... see that come back. <laughs> I, I think I that'd know, be crazy. Right? <laughs> so instead of red and black, it's red and green. <laughs> <laughs> his his oh. first big role, though, before he became Kane, was in 1995. He was Isaac Yankum DDS. So oh. the, yes. the gimmick of the character was he was a dentist. I think he was Jerry the King Lawler's personal dentist, according to the, the uh-huh. show lore. And there was a big feud between Jerry Lawler and Brett the Hitman Hart. You know, the best there was, the best there is, and the best there ever will be. <laughs> and I guess the the thing I guess Lawler was trying to do was have Yankum teach Hart a lesson by uh, giving him some free dental work. So... Uh, <laughs> awful, of, of, awful, yeah, awful, awful, awful. Of the non-consensual <laughs> variety. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, and I guess when uh, when WCW really started taking off as well into the mid to late '90s, a bunch of wrestlers left WWF for WCW. One of the biggest mm-hmm. ones was Diesel, aka Kevin Nash, and for a very brief period of time. Um, the artist futurely known as Kane, Glenn Thomas Jacobs, portrayed <laughs> that, Diesel. <laughs> that was brutal. I, re- yeah, I remember that. It's like, there that's was, not Diesel. <laughs> there was, yeah, th- so they had this whole angle because they, they wouldn't let uh, Diesel and Razor Ramon, uh, real names uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, they wouldn't let them take those names with them to the WCW. Uh, and so... They basically created a fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon, uh, <laughs> which was so bad because neither of them actually looked like their counterpart. They looked like basically someone doing really bad cosplay of the two of them. It was and, That was awful. Yeah. So, oh yeah. So bad. It it, yeah. it was definitely not their best idea to do that well from what i've uh, heard yeah. is at first they actually didn't think people would notice and <laughs> it was just so bad that i mean come on come on vince come on Vinny. yeah no, nobody will notice that this person completely changed yeah like come on yeah, i mean bro. the only the only thing they had going with the the double diesels was that they were both like over 610 so it was like okay i guess i buy that but yeah completely different face completely yeah. different like 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 this completely different person entirely and then the the razor ramon character i can't even remember who ended up playing him after scott hall went to wcw but he looked nothing like him i mean some, he had, like, some jabroni i'm sure that's yeah, right it that's was, right it was some guy who ended up being uh mostly just a jobber like i don't think he ever really had much of a career in wrestling outside of um it, for those of you that aren't you know in rest you know into wrestling or anything a jobber is just like basically local talent that usually gets brought in to either lose a match to one of the top guys like really quickly to to make the the top guy look strong or it might be just somebody that comes in to do random matches here and there uh, if they need extra people so they're basically just like a body in a seat basically um, they're my favorite character sometimes <laughs> they catch a seat in the face though you know the, the folding chair that's true um, that's true <laughs> or spanish announce table i mean yeah more. that's right <laughs> do they still do that i don't watch re- much wrestling anymore but i remember that was like every pay-per-view you could count on mick foley going through the like spanish announcing <laughs> well, table they're, every oh, pay-per-view. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're much more equal opportunity now they'll they'll take oh. turns going through the american and spanish table now and sometimes and even Portuguese the, a lot. Yeah, or or the very 2018 uh, of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, so funny. <laughs> before we move on uh, to his uh, most prominent character, though, I, I think we got to go back for just a second because uh, me and Mike actually do have 
uh, an experience together with Isaac Yankum DDS. Uh, so Mike, do you Child, want to talk a little bit about the? Yes, he was actually our dentist as a, as a child. <laughs> worst that explains dental, the teeth. The worst dental work ever. It's all you, bud. Okay. All right. <laughs> so uh, when Mike and I were probably well, all of us would have been probably about nine years old. Uh, for uh, me and Mike's birthdays are within about a week of each other. And so for his birthday, his dad decided to take him down to um, a place that no longer exists in downtown Grand Rapids. Um, the do you remember what the name of that place was shoot? Uh, Welsh Auditorium. The Welsh Auditorium. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so he took us uh, down to the Welsh Auditorium and they taped, literally, they taped a month's worth of uh, Raw episodes on the same night. Because this was before wow. they, like, this is before Raw and SmackDown and all that were live. And they, you know, taped it live every week. They would record, like, multiple episodes from a city at, in one go. So we were there for, like, probably five, six hours yeah, it, it was long. It was really yeah, long. Yeah, it was a long show. <laughs> but uh, probably the like the match that stu- always stuck out to me the most in all of that until I actually went back and rewatched the episode a few years ago when I found it online was there was a uh, cage match between Isaac Yankum DDS and Bret Hart <laughs> as pro- as part of that ongoing feud uh, that you're talking about. But the particular uh, stipulation with this match was not only was it a cage match, but to keep Jerry Lawler from interfering in the match, they actually suspended him from the rafters in a cage, and he he was like had to stay up there the entire match until you know whoever won that match. But it was amazing. Like we were up in the you know we had seats in the way way back of the Welsh Auditorium, even though I mean it was a fairly small arena, but. Still, you know, we were in the way back, and you could still... Eye level with the king? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. much. Essentially, yeah. And uh, you could tell just how gigantic this guy was all the way back then. Um, And he definitely slimmed down and buffed up a lot once he became Kane, or once he transitioned to the character Kane. Uh, You know, when he was Isaac Yankum, he was a big dude, but I'd say he was more of a just a big guy rather than like a solid dude. Like he ended up becoming when he first became Kane. Yeah. Yeah. He's a giant. Yeah. 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 But it was really cool to see that guy and then know that a few years down the line, he went from being a, you know, kind of a gimmick character to being one of the like all time greats in the WWE. Do you remember his yellow teeth? Yes. Oh, <laughs> so gross. I've modeled my real teeth after that. <laughs> I think we all have a little bit. That, that's a whole uh, another level of fandom right there, Paul. <laughs> I figured it was just from coffee and chew, but what do I know? <laughs> all right, well. <laughs> so, so, quick question about that match before we yes, move on. Oh, what please. did Jerry Lawler drop from the cage? He dropped a... Uh, was Ooh. it? I think it was brass knuckles. <laughs> That's a good question. I want to say he dropped brass knuckles from the cage. I'm pretty what, sure. Red heart picked him I'm up. I'm pretty sure it was brass <laughs> knuckles. I'm almost positive. Yeah. the The funny part though was, you know, we had no way of seeing this when we were there because his, like where we were sitting, his back was turned to us when he was in the cage. But um, when I went back and rewatched the episode, once I found it online. I found out that he, uh, like, wh- he, he, the story was that he was afraid of heights, and so he had, like, a panic attack in the cage and, like, ha- must have put blood capsules up his nose or something because he started <laughs> to have, like, a f- nosebleed while he was up there. Jesus. Yeah, it was pretty funny. 15 feet, you know, that's pretty frightening. Yeah, yeah. 
For those not in the know, whenever they do a what they refer to as a shark cage match where a person is suspended in a small cage above the ring to keep them from interfering, that's a guarantee that that person is going to interfere by dropping <laughs> a foreign object into the ring. Absolutely. If you're in WCW, that's an international object because they weren't allowed to say foreign. Oh, was that but... copyrighted by the WWE? No, it was. It started as a joke because of how politically correct Ted Turner was. Oh, okay. So I can see someone that. said they <laughs> they could they couldn't say foreign object. It had to be an international object. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. yeah. It's kind of like that uh, that scene in Richie Rich where they uh, bring in the toothpaste for the really sensitive teeth oh yeah yes <laughs> the same kind of premise sensitive like, teeth. if you have somebody that's there they're definitely going to interfere yes absolutely <laughs> it's the uh there there's a literary device uh called the checkoff gun like basically if you introduce something into the storyline it's for a purpose so if you right. introduce it, the shark cage into it it's guaranteed that there's going to be an interference in the match real quick uh brian richie rich was an awesome movie by the way, just throwing, yes. just throwing that out there real quick. It's so good. It, it, d- it doesn't age well, though, unfortunately. Yeah. It does yeah. not age well. Neither did Macaulay Culkin, though. Oh, oh no. Oh. Sorry, we love you, Macaulay Culkin. If you ever hear had this, to go we'll... there, bud. Yeah, I'm sure he's Wait. listening right now. Actually, um, so anyway, of Macaulay fan. Culkin, he's a huge wrestling fan, too. He is? Yeah. Yeah, he's always at PWG front row. Yeah, yeah I didn't he realize even, that. I think he like has a podcast or was on a podcast with them recently. He's I been on no being idea. the elite with the Young Bucks. No kidding. I knew That's I awesome. knew Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins was a big WWE fan. Yeah, um, you know he owns the NWA now, right? I do know that. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> that's the last person I would ever think that would. But yeah, that's. That's crazy. Yep. Do you Bull think that Billy when Corgan. He, do you think when he bought uh, Impact originally, as soon as the deal was signed, he started singing, "Today is the greatest day of Maybe. ever." <laughs> yes. Despite all my rage, I am still just a hell in a cell. <laughs> um, well, considering he had to sue them before they let him out of his contract, I don't think he was too happy with it in the end. <laughs> Probably right. not. Probably not. But we digressed a lot. Yes, so much, so much. <laughs> Who are we talking about again? I forgot. Exactly, I don't know. exactly. I think so, so Dean Malenko was a heck of a wrestler. Was um, it Jerry Lawler? Or? That's right. I mean, uh, right. Hey, hey, Dean Malenko was his trainer, I must say. That, that's true. Fun, that is true. It's a fun fact. Fun fact. That is true. We like so, fun uh, facts. So, the, the, so, the man so, of a thousand holds, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. At seven feet, I don't know how many holds he was gonna do, but (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) Can't quite. He just does them with his ankles. Yeah. (laughs) Squeeze. So, so Glenn Thomas Jacobs was Kane. You know, so I think it was 1997 is when he was first introduced. he is most famously known as the brother of the Undertaker. Later, it came out that he was the half brother, but was also the son of Paul Bearer, which leads to all sorts of gross imagery. And we'll talk about <laughs> all the key players in a moment. But I wanted to go over some of his accomplishments real quick before we jump into his accomplishments. Just uh, to kind of elaborate on like the backstory a little bit is uh, he uh, Kane was actually introduced, like even though he was introduced as undertaker's brother they actually started out in a feud together the whole story of bringing him into the the storyline was that he was the undertaker's brother and that he had uh died in a or the undertaker thought he had died in a fire but he right. didn't actually die in the fire and so he was coming back to get his vengeance on his brother who didn't protect him or help him or whatever hence the reason why he when he was first introduced, uh, for you know, for kayfabe reasons, so that people didn't realize it was Isaac Yankum DDS, um, they were able to put a mask on him and have him talk through a uh, like a talk box, like somebody that lo- lost their voice box would talk through. Um, he talked through that to add to the mystique of this character and stuff like that. But they were brought in for an absolutely incredible feud initially 
to yes. uh, progress the oh, character yeah. of the Undertaker and him. And I and I definitely want to get into that in just a moment. But to, just to highlight real quick, because you and Mike went to this event, the Welsh Theater, you know, watching Isaac Yankum DDS, like literally the <laughs> epitome of like wrestling gimmick throwaway uh-huh. jobbers, right? Uh-huh. Like, like a totally forgettable character. Kane, on the other hand, who was portrayed by the same person, um, so in June 1998 was when he first won his WWF championship from Stone Cold Steve Austin at the King of the Ring. Um, mm-hmm. Kane is actually the most prolific pay-per-view performer in WWF slash WWE history, and he holds the record still for the cumulative lot, uh, highest number of Royal Rumble match eliminations. And for those who are not familiar with Royal Rumble, they basically have one person go out to the ring and... And then they have other people come out. What is it? Every two minutes or something like that, or five it minutes? Cha- yeah, it changes every few years. I think it's so. I think it's every two minutes. Two is the average. Yeah, yeah. And at the the goal is to get that other person to go over top of the top rope to the outside of the ring, and then they're eliminated. And the last person in the ring, after they have thirty people go through this cycle, um, is the winner. And if you come in. F- if you go out there first or if you go out there 30th, it doesn't matter as long as you're the last person standing in the ring. Well, Kane has the cumulative highest number of eliminations over the course of several Royal Rumbles with 44. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is incredible. Yeah. yeah. So that's literally an entire Royal Rumble's worth and a half it, it, that he has because, eliminated on his own. And because of his size, on you know, multiple occasions, they took advantage of that and had him, like, eliminate multiple people in one go just to, like, really, you know, hammer in the fact of how strong and big he was, that he could eliminate, you know, like, three, four people at the same time. They'd be, like, fighting on the ropes, like, all of them kind of bunched up fighting on the ropes, and he'd just go and flip all of them. Right, right. So so to kind of go back to Kane, the character now, so we've talked about some of his accomplishments and things like that, um, but... His character, like Adam mentioned, was started off very slow and mysterious. Like there was like whispers, basically, of the Undertaker having a secret that nobody knew except Paul Bearer, who was his manager. He was this really high pitched, short, fat guy that he (laughs) in the olden days of oh my Undertaker, Undertaker. (laughs) (laughs) and in the olden days he used to carry around this urn to every match the Undertaker was in and would hold the urn, the urn up. <laughs> and whenever he would hold the urn up, the Undertaker would get, be getting his ass kicked and all of a sudden he would like get revitalized with like the spirits of demons or something like that like and then would power. end up winning the match. Well, something happened between Paul Bear and the Undertaker and that's a pretty long story. I don't really know all the ins and outs of it because it's, you know, over 20 years ago. But basically, Paul Bear was blackmailing the Undertaker if you don't, you know, work with me. If you, if you don't be my bitch, basically, I'm going to (laughs) tell the world your dark secret. And the dark secret was that the undertaker lit his parents funeral home on fire and killed both his mom, dad, and his brother, except his brother didn't die. And the undertaker was not aware of it until, uh, bad blood, 1997. There was a cage match between the undertaker and the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Oh yeah. And Michaels oh, yeah. was getting the ever-living shit kicked out of him. That is one of those matches where someone went through the uh, the Spanish announcing table. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there was chairs. There was chairs involved. I, I mean, Michaels' entire that was the face. night Brian Pillman died, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and so basically, the Undertaker is just punishing Michaels. And he's he's got his one last move he's gonna do, and everyone you know, the the announcers like, oh, he's gonna do the tombstone pile driver because that's his signature move. And just as he's getting ready to pick Michaels up off the mat, all the lights in the entire arena go out, and this really creepy music starts. And then there's these huge red pyrotechnics that go off, and then Paul Bearer comes down the aisle with a seven foot dude in a big <laughs> red like onesie with a with a devil mask basically <laughs> and he comes down there and oh my god that's gotta be kane that's gotta be kane and they've been building this story up for months like this undertaker guy he's got a secret the secret is that his brother is still alive that he thought he you know was killed and he goes in there 
and he does the tombstone pile driver to the undertaker instead and michaels who's basically all but dead himself like lays his hand across undertaker's chest the ref sees it it's a really slow three count but michaels ends up winning the match and from there kane doesn't have a match of his own for months but he's on almost every single monday night raw just by surprise um i don't know if anyone wants to jump in on that and kind of their memories of that do you remember how kane got into the cage yes he ripped off the door Yes. yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't just the door, wasn't it? Like one of the actual, like part of the wall of the cage that he ripped off, or it like might have, it might have been actually. The, I think it was like he all like, bolted on. I think yeah. he swung like the cage back, uh, which which like you got to remember, this thing is probably about 10, 10 to fifteen feet tall, and probably a solid. Uh, you know, maybe eight to 10 feet wide. And he rips this thing off the hinge and like (laughs) swings the whole thing back. You know, that's, if you want to, if you want to tell the audience that this guy is strong, you don't just say, Oh man, look how big and strong he is. You have him rip a freaking wall off a cage. (laughs) cage. Yeah. (laughs) By God, a steel cage. (laughs) Oh, but I was like, I mentioned that's for sure. Oh, sure. Dude, he was like terrifying. Well, well and like I had mentioned earlier, you know, when he played Isaac Yankum DDS, he was a big guy, but he was kind of a he was more of a pudgy big guy. By this point, he had bulked up to just this massive, I mean, huge yeah. uh biceps and huge arms, and yeah. he'd come down in this, you know, this costume where he's covered head to toe. He's got this horrifyingly scary mask on and he comes and rips the door or, you know, the whole wall of his cage off. It's like, oh, shit, I'm not messing with this guy. Right. Well, yeah, he went from being like a Bam Bam Bigelow kind of build to all of a sudden being like a like a Psycho Sid build. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was just gigantic, dude. But like I mentioned, he didn't have any of his own matches really for a long time because no one really knew who he was. And that kind of led to the mystique of him as well because he was like a force he like wasn't even a wrestler like he was like an entity within wrestling and Mm -hmm. that's made him even more terrifying so i remember there was one match ahmed johnson was really pissed at stone cold steve austin he's like i know we're supposed to wrestle next week or whatever but we're gonna wrestle tonight and he's standing in the ring waiting for stone cold to come down the aisle and all of a sudden all the lights turn off and the big explosion happens and here comes kane walking down the aisle and he tries to wrestle him. He's like, I'm not scared of you, you big red piece of shit. And he tries to take him. And and he's like not even phased by anything that Ahmed Johnson does. And Ahmed Johnson is a huge, very strong guy. Huge. And yeah. you know, you can't tell that it's impacting Kane at all. That's that in the world of wrestling, they call it no selling. So he he was no selling these attacks by uh, Ahmed Johnson to make him look even stronger because you have this, I mean, massive, massive, like bodybuilder esque guy, and he's throwing everything he's got at Kane, and Kane's like, it, basically, it's like a fly that's bugging Kane. Right, right, yeah. And so there was another match, and I'm trying to remember because it wasn't a real match, but Kane came out. I want to say it was. Maybe the headbangers, and he had like gotten hit in the back of the head with a uh, a boombox, and he like either choke slammed both of them or like I don't remember, you know, clothesline them over the top rope, and then mankind snuck into the ring with like a steel bar, a straight steel bar, and bent it over Kane's head. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember who the match was against because now that I'm thinking about, it, I don't think it was the headbangers, but I remember then mankind goes out into the audience or you know down out of the ring to like help whoever was fighting Kane and literally like within five seconds he sits straight up <laughs> almost like like Mike Myers in, in Halloween just like <laughs> that moment <laughs> you, you, you know go, you didn't oh, mean shit. to hit me in the face you didn't mean to hit me in the face oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so sorry yeah they, yeah. <laughs> they did a, they did a great job uh I mean that's that's one of the times when the the WWE did a great job at building a character, 
uh, before he ever really had a match, which was smart because he could wrestle. Obviously, he had been in WWE and WCW for a while at this point, so he could wrestle. But right, right. they thought it was more important to build that character before they actually had him finally have the big head-to-head match with The Undertaker for the first time. And so they just spent months building him as this unstoppable force that you know wasn't going to stop until he destroyed his brother. Right. And I think that's kind of interesting, too, how they introduced him as well, because because he was involved in this fire, you know, he had no ability to speak like he was mute. And then they added on like he had like the voice vibrator. So he would talk with that. I remember the episode where they introduced that he always had Paul Bear speak for him. Uh, They call it cutting a promo. So uh, Paul Bear would always cut the promos for Kane for a long time and he would just stand there and look big and menacing and stuff which was already scary enough and then you add in the first time he speaks on his own and he pulls out that voice box thing and starts talking that was like some of the scariest stuff i remember as a kid like that gave me nightmares (laughs) you were like 12 still though (laughs) i see i remember that happening right about the same time that south park just started getting big and uh jimbo's friend ned like oh man that is nasty (laughs) like that's what it always reminded me of my favorite was when he was out there with dx and he goes suck so that's a that's a whole crazy period of time too is when he was tag team partners with X-Pac. Yeah. Um, yes. Which X-Pac, for those not initiated, <laughs> he used to be the one, two, three kid back in the early 90s, but he was like a fairly small built guy, kind of like a mixed martial arts acrobat type guy. Did a lot of high flying moves and then you t- pair him up with Kane who literally is like a refrigerator. <laughs> um, and he, he would pick guys up like by their necks that were like 350, 400 pounds with no trouble at all. So it's really interesting to see the two of them together. Speaking of, uh, real quick, uh, just a short little aside about uh, X-Pac. When he was the one, two, three kid, he's, I mean, he's a tiny guy. Like, he's scrawny. Like, I mean, he probably weighed like 100 pounds soaking wet when he first came into the WWE. 123 pounds. Get it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> hey, is that what he built hey. That's pretty funny. So, <laughs> I love that. Uh, actually, at that same event that me and Mike uh, saw Isaac Yankum DDS, we actually saw the 1-2-3 kid in a match with uh, Razor Ramon. And I'm pretty the sure... The real Razor I, Ramon, I, by the way. I, yeah, Scott Hall. Yeah, Scott <laughs> The real Hall. Razor Ramon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, could be, I could be wrong on this, but I have to imagine that this is probably a record... I'm pretty sure X-Pac or the one, two, three kid lost to Razor Ramon like five or six times in one night. Like he, <laughs> he, wow. he got beat, wouldn't, wouldn't get out of the ring. And so Razor, uh, you know, hit him again, pinned him and the cycle kept repeating over and over again. I'm pretty sure he lost five or six times in one <laughs> single match. I gotta, I gotta imagine that some sort of record. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of records, did you know? That Kane has lost 196 matches on Raw. Really? It's actually the most out of any wrestler. No kidding. <laughs> I had no idea. Wow. Yeah, he has the record, you know, for the Royal Rumble, which I think is pretty funny. Well, okay, but yeah. what's his name? Uh, now, uh, that guy that you hate, Shoop, he's got to be catching up. Uh, James Ellsworth? No. <laughs> no, who, who's the, who's oh the guy gosh. that literally hasn't won a match on uh Oh my gosh, I can't even think of his name. Apollo Cruz? I hate no, him so much. I can't no, even no, think he, of his name. He, uh, he's got, he's got like beard. red hair or something like that. Yeah, he's got a beard, red hair. He always comes in with that like stick or the cane or whatever. He literally only ever comes on to lose matches now. God, I can't uh, think of Bri- his name. Brian, Brian, Kurt Hawkins. Kurt, Kurt Hawkins. Hawkins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Kurt, Kurt Hawkins has got to be closing in on that record because he has yet to win a match in the WWE. Well, yeah, it's getting there. He's probably got about yeah. 100 to go, I would say. I say Kane, Kane's got 20 years of experience on him. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's still unbelievable to me, though, that he has the most losses on Raw ever, considering. And then he, he's actually fourth for wins at 206 behind Cena, Orton, and Triple H. Wow. So 
Yeah. So it's kind of got both ends of the spectrum there. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so there are your uh, records. He's like he's so a big guys... record holder in the WWE. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does all the extremes. Do you guys have any other memories of Kane from that Attitude Era? Uh, I just like I remember the the thing that always set him apart. You know, besides being this big dude or whatever, what really always like his uh, I guess signature for his entrance, and this would kind of always predicate the fact that he was about to come out is. Not only would the lights go out, but then all of a sudden you'd have red flames shoot out of the ring posts. And that yeah. was how you knew he was coming out. It was just so cool. Like, it was so unique for that time. Because you had, like, guys that used pyro uh, at the time. Like, it's kind of gone out of fashion now. Yeah, They've stopped like the using Steiner pyro. brothers and stuff but, used but, to, Yeah, yeah but, like, the Steiner and... brothers, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker on occasion. Goldberg. Goldberg. Yep. Uh, all of them were really known for having pyro in their entrance but i don't think any were nearly as iconic as that the you know the red flame shooting out of the ring post that was so cool and what what a cool way to make you know an iconic entrance like that and i think what even sold it more was that when he would get into the ring he would lift his hands up and then he would lower them really fast and when he would lower them there'd be another explosion from the ring posts yep. and that's when the lights would come on yep. um yeah well, uh, it's kind of uh, crazy, too. I actually went to a taping in Grand Rapids back in, like, 90... I want to say it was 99 uh, at the Van Andel Arena, and we were lucky enough uh, for that one to have seats along the int- uh, like the entrance ramp, and we were in the very back of that section, so we were closest to where the wrestlers actually came out to then start making their way to the ring, and I will never forget when he came came out how hot his pyros were, even though he was probably, you know, we were still probably 20 to 25 feet away from where the pyros went off. You could just feel the intense heat as these giant pillars of flame shot out as he was coming out. It was so cool. So cool. Yeah, I always remember that, man. That That was hot. It was yep. very hot. Yep. <laughs> well, and uh, I'd say the other memory I have of him is the first time that him and The Undertaker actually finally fought together. Um, I believe it was at WrestleMania or SummerSlam. I can't remember which one uh, for sure. But I'll I'll never forget a, a friend of the uh, a friend of ours and a guy that's in like a wrestling group that we're on uh, online. He actually recorded it for me because at the time i you know we didn't have like paper you know we didn't get pay-per-views or whatever and so i had no way of watching the matches unless until they came out on vhs a couple months down the line or whatever well he actually made a recording of it for me so that i could see it and man what a great like you know wrestling really at its core is like a soap opera uh, for guys it's it's you know telling stories and and then the matches are part of telling that story what a great job they did of just showing the hatred and the animosity between these two and that first match they just all out brawled each other that's probably one of the best matches i've ever watched yeah it was a great match i remember that oh and just the fact that both of these guys uh, you know Kane's seven foot tall. The Undertaker's probably pretty close. Like he's got to be six ten, six eleven. Yeah, if he's something not like seven that. Foot tall. Yeah. And the way how agile these guys were, the way they could move, the how high they could get when they jumped up in the air, and the the stuff that they did, it was unbelievable to have two guys of this size putting on such a athletic match. You know, it'd be like the same as a guy that was you know a hundred you know hundred and 85 200 pounds something like that doing the same moves that these guys that are like you know 285 290 and seven feet tall are doing it was oh, i mean they're they're easily over 300 i mean especially kane i mean he's like just i think he built it like 325 so did he yeah. okay but i don't know how accurate those weights are it's not like there's weight classes i mean i remember <laughs> i remember uh back when uh what's his name uh the big show back when he was the giant what's his actual name paul Paul White. Paul White. Right? Yeah, Paul White. Yeah, the big Oh, show. yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So I remember when he wrestled Rey Mysterio Jr. in a match, um, (laughs) and it was ridiculous. I think Rey Mysterio ended up winning, like, um, like on a fluke, like did a like a I don't know some type of like crucifix pin move or something, and brought him down somehow. It's insane, (laughs) but yeah, there's some there's some big dudes in professional wrestling, and there's some uh, very agile little uh, little guys as well, like like Rey Mysterio (laughs) and, and the one two three kid. Yeah, yeah, I would love so, to see the one, two, three kid in the uh, cruiserweight division if they would oh, have that. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. That'd be amazing. Cool. Yeah, so in two thousand two, um, Kane switched his mask from being a full face mask to like a half mask, so he had his like mouth and part of his nose exposed. And then in two thousand three, I don't remember the whole exchange, but basically. Um, he has a match versus Triple H, and if he loses the match, Eric Bischoff was like, you can't wear your mask anymore. Am I missing something there? I feel like you guys can maybe add more to that since that was a little after I stopped watching wrestling. One of the most disappointing days of my life. <laughs> really? Oh, my. I, mu- yep. I must say, that was that was awful. I think that was a very bad decision by the WWF at that time. Because yeah. it kind of took away all the mysterious, I guess, demon way of yeah. thinking of him. Well, and and it was kind of a letdown, too, because, you know, this guy's been wearing this mask for, you know, at this point, this has got to be six, seven years, something like that. He's been wrestling with this mask on, and they've been building up this mystique of, you know, oh, his face must be horribly yeah. disfigured by this. And then they finally <laughs> pull off the thing... And it's literally like his normal face, and then he's just got some black paint like smudged <laughs> on his face to look like burn, or like smoke, uh, like ash on his face or whatever. Didn't like, they like he oh, hadn't taken God. a shower since he was a child? Yeah, wasn't <laughs> yeah, like no, half of his head like, shaved though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the front back wasn't his... shaved, and the front was the half, like the half front. Yeah, yeah. It was real <laughs> to make it to make it look like his hair got burned off or whatever. Yeah, that was that was disappointing. And then he was just a bald yeah. guy for a long time with no mask. Well, and it's what's funny is when he does put the mask on, like the mask has wig hair attached to it, which is kind oh. of funny. <laughs> that is that's so, crazy. So sometimes. So when he's not wrestling as like the they call him like the Demon Kane and Corporate Kane, uh, which was a storyline later in his career. Uh, when he was Corporate Kane, he'd come out and he was like a completely normal looking person. He had a bald, like shaved bald head. But then when he'd come out as Kane, all of a sudden he'd have his hair and mask on again. <laughs> yeah, dude Crazy. used to rest as Corporate Kane. He wrestled in loafers with his suit pants and a belt. <gasps> That had to be the most uncomfortable thing ever. Yeah, I can't imagine that was too pleasant to wrestle in. Yeah, wearing a belt buckle while you're trying to suplex people is probably not a great feeling. (laughs) Well, the only person that might know about that right now is Constable uh, Corbin. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I say Big Boss Man used to, but uh, that's a that's a long time ago. Um, yep. Well, anyway, boss, did you guys have any other wow. final memories um, about Kane at any period in his career? Anything that you guys wanted well, to share? But before we do that, is, are you going to bring up the most recent news about him, or should? Oh, I was, I, I was, I was planning on it, but we can definitely. Okay, I won't, I won't say. How anything about? Yeah. I, I'll let that. How about? Be. I got, a, I got a question for y'all. Yeah. Who was Kane managed by besides Paul Baird? Do you know that? Oh, I don't. Not a lot of people probably think about that. They probably only think about Paul Bear. I have no idea. I'm gonna say Bobby the Brain Heenan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know why. And this is probably totally off the mark, but I just feel like it was Teddy Long for some reason. So I'll give. I'll give you a list of people here. Jim Ross. Okay. Really. Jim Cornette, obviously. Jerry Lawler, Lita, Tori, and the Ninth Wonder of the World, China. They were all. He, he, been, he's he's been managed by all of them at some point. Really, really. Yeah. Did Lita really count? Because he kidnapped her, and then there was <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. It counts, man. He was. She, she, I mean, hey. She was Did we there. ever find out the question that he asked her? I mean, he kidnapped her because he had a question he needed to ask her in private, and then I don't ever remember them addressing that. 
Is that the same storyline where Triple H was like dressed as Kane doing a mannequin? Is oh, that the same storyline? Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. so bad. The, 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 w, the WWE got away with a lot of really, really sketchy material back during the Attitude Era and the... What, what was the uh, era right after Attitude? The bad ratings era? The Raw's War, <laughs> or is that the same as Attitude? I don't know. Uh, Raw's War would have been right before Attitude. The Raw, Raw's War was like 95 through like 97 mm. or so. Uh, and then the Attitude Era was like when The Rock and under or, uh, Rock and Stone Cold and all those guys were really big and like DX. But there was like the Attitude Era and then there was another era. Uh, the un- I don't even remember the, what it was uh, called. So it's like... It's the the something aggression, the ruthless aggression era, I think. Yeah, I think you're the, right. Uh, yeah, and those two, like, they got away with some real weird stuff on there. <laughs> like the, like, Edge's live sex celebration with Lita <laughs> on, on live TV. Uh, when, when, uh, The Undertaker during the, t- uh, when he, like, first was forming the Ministry of Darkness, <laughs> when, when he... When he actually crucified uh, Gideon on live, t- or uh, at the time it was, uh, oh gosh, he he was wrestling at it under a different name at the was time. Was it Gangrel but, or was um, it someone else? He, no, it was uh, the he was on uh, Midian. It was the guy that used to wrestle with the the hillbillies, uh, the Godwins. Oh, the Godwins. Yeah. Yes, it was Phineas Godwin, and then became Midian. Uh, after he got crucified, but he got crucified on or sacrificed on live television. You remember Didn't he when break he break his neck? Yeah, I think so. You remember when he had Stephanie up there too? Yes, I do. I actually, yeah, actually, that was another weird one. Was the storyline where they had to figure out how to uh, pass off the fact that in real life Stephanie McMahon and Triple H had gotten married <laughs> and so they had a whole storyline where he kidnapped her and the drive-thru and went through the drive-thru in Vegas I take him to be my husband <laughs> it, it's funny because like so many wrestling fans look back on the Attitude Era as like the pinnacle of wwe and really it was that's like when it became a ratings juggernaut but man did they do some horrible (laughs) stuff back then that's also the uh, i won't go into too much detail but that's also uh the same time they had the storyline where um was it the fabulous moolah gave birth to a hand yeah (laughs) sexual chocolate oh god oh my god the things they did on that show were horrible Ugh. Horrible yet fantastic. <laughs> yeah, right. So, Paul, any uh, any final thoughts from you? You you haven't said nearly as much as I thought you would about a wrestling topic. <laughs> well, the biggest thing with Kane that is forever burned in my memory, outside of the more current stuff, I was more of a WCW guy. I did not watch a lot of WWF, but at the time that I started, the first thing when I think of Kane that sticks in my head is the ambulance match that he had with Shane McMahon. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I remember him giving a pile driver to our tombstone to Shane McMahon on top of the ambulance. And I thought he killed him on live TV. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I, you know, 14 year old me was convinced that I just witnessed a murder on live television. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> seriously jeez. <laughs> yeah. yeah that sounds about right i will say did you guys know that uh the undertaker was originally billed as kane the undertaker i did not i did not no did and not know that so most of that would have been from the dark matches or when they were still developing the character i don't think if it's on tv or in the library i'm sure they've edited it all out the way wwe likes to rewrite history but yep. um Initially, he was billed as Kane the Undertaker long before the character of Kane was ever thought of. They just liked the name. That's and interesting. And then as, as the character developed, it just sort of went by the wayside. And then some of the ideas they originally had for the Undertaker had kind of morphed into they were developing the Mankind character. And then the ideas that didn't work with Mankind kind of became Kane. And that's how what led to him being his own offshoot character. Okay. That's, that's awesome. That's fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah. I, it is. It's really cool. Good to know. 
He was created by, you know, one brother love, Mr. Bruce Pritchard. Yeah, brother love. <laughs> who was in WWE creative for most of his career. Mm-hmm. Now he has a great podcast, The Bruce Pritchard Show. Uh, something check to wrestle if... with. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Uh, if you like wrestling at all, check it out. It's pretty awesome. And he gives a lot of backstage, behind-the-scenes behind look at a lot of the stuff. And usually he's pretty candid about it. So if you're ever interested in it check out something to wrestle with because uh definitely gives you a lot of background insight and stuff that happened you know in the 80s the 90s 2000s when he was working there kind of like our show <laughs> exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. exactly <laughs> so um I, I i hate to pull the plug on this discussion guys because i think we're having a really great one but um just just to kind of wrap things up um and if anyone has any last thoughts definitely feel free to throw them in after this but most recently, Glenn Thomas Jacobs, you know, with all of his accolades as a wrestler, being the most winning and most losingest wrestler of all Monday Night Raw <laughs> athletes, uh, he actually uh, was recently elected the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. And at the time, yeah. and at the time that this podcast airs, assuming you know everything moves forward the way it's ought, you know, it ought to, uh, he'll already be sworn in to that office. So one of many wrestlers, such as you know Jesse the Body Ventura, um, that have taken political office after. Uh, there's and the, there's one in Michigan too, the isn't there? Failed, yeah, uh, a guy named Terrence uh, Garen. Also known to ECW lo loyals as Rhino, Rhino. R ran as a, for a U.S. representative in, I think it was Dearborn. Yep. And uh, I would like to point out that I have the distinction of having the very first autographed Terrence Jaron for U.S. Uh, House of Representatives sign that was ever made. And we, we met him at a local wrestling show, and it was the first time that he had his signs, and he had some deal where he could get like a shirt, his sign, and an autograph for like twenty five bucks, and I was like, "Let's do it!" Awesome. And he was so excited to sign his sign for me. <laughs> That's awesome. I have the fifth one because I was in the back of the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I believe I believe I have the second one. <laughs> I think you're right. Do so you guys got any any final thoughts on Kane or? Uh... Uh, I would just like to throw a quick shout out to Mayor Kane. That's super cool. Hell yeah, Doesn't dude. Kane. And his wife own a insurance company as well. Uh, yeah, they are all state agents in Tennessee. Yep. Yes, I had yep. no idea. Yeah. That's crazy. So go go get insurance from Kane. <laughs> Not he'll light your ass on fire. That's right. <laughs> he'll he'll choke slam you into an early grave. Yep. The only uh, final thing I have to say is so WWE has a list of they have an injury list that you can check that gives expected times of when people will return, and uh, on the list at the very bottom of it, it has Kane listed, and then reason for absence is Mayor of Knox County. <laughs> that's that's he, quite the injury. He's going to be yeah. busy. <laughs> Too funny. So I'm guessing we're not going to see him on WWE television anytime soon. Not until re-election. <laughs> how, how funny would that be if all of a sudden, like, just one day, back out! It's Mayor Kane! It's Mayor Kane! <laughs> back from the dead. <laughs> Watch, he'll be on SummerSlam this year. Probably. I mean, he was on a pay-per-view, what, two weeks ago, and then he gets elected mayor? <laughs> yep, yep. Crazy uh, stuff. It works. Well, I guess that wraps up our discussion on Kane. Uh, now it's time to move on to some nostalgia combat! Nostalgia combat! Alright guys, I have a trivia question for my co-host to answer. Whoever is closest will get to lead their chat next week. Paul has the Back to the 90s YouTube video, and Adam has his Animorphs. Are you guys ready? Woo! Adam and the yes. Animorphs. Adam and the Animorphs. That's, going out on World Tour soon. That's right. So the question is going to be for both uh, Adam and Paul, and then once they answer, uh, Shoop, if you want to give your best guess, that's fine too. Okay. Um, it's related to what we were chatting about already. So Sports Illustrated published an article 
of a definitive ranking of the top 101 wrestlers of all time. And Kane made the list. Where was he ranked Ooh. on that list in the top 101? Interesting. Paul? I'm gonna I'll s- defer to you. I'm going to say 18. I'm going to say... Well, is it too late Ooh. to ask what year the list came out? It's pretty recent. I want to say it's like 2017 or 2016, something like that. Okay, good. What'd you, what did s- you say, Paul? I said number 18. 18? Okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 23. Okay. Mike, you want to take a a guess? Um, all time. Let's see. 14. You guys are very, very optimistic. Uh, Adam takes this one. Uh, Kane is ranked number 81 out of the top 101. <laughs> Do you guys Who's number to... one? That was that's the tiebreaker. Should there have been a tiebreaker? What would number one have been? Any any good guesses? Ric Flair. Anyone else? I I hate to say it, but I I think it's probably Hulk Hogan. Mike, you got a guess? Number one's got to be Ric Flair. I mean, it you, has to be. you guys are right. It's Ric Flair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, Adam. That's who I would have guessed too. Is either Hulk Hogan or like Macho Man Randy Savage. But I Ric ask, Flair you know totally where makes Shawn sense. Michaels was on this list because he's my all-time favorite, and I think, I think he's he the greatest was... of all time. It's true. He's number one, I watched obviously. Mike cry when he lost. Yes. Yeah, I think he was top true ten. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to look at the list, but I'm pretty sure he was top ten. Okay. Okay. I don't okay. remember offhand though, but. Um, yeah. Well, there you have it. Adam is our winner, and he will be guiding us with Adam and the Animorphs next week. Me, your loser, still has the Back to the 90s YouTube music video. And now we need to go back to the hopper and give Brian a new topic. Get down, get in the hopper. Uh, We want to remind all of our listeners that if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, you can submit those at datingourselvespodcast.com. I have just operated the hopper of imagination while Brian was talking there, and I have three topics for which Brian can choose from. So I'm going to give you the category of each topic, Brian, and then you're going to make your decision based on that. Got it. So, would you like shared life experience, TV series, or video game? Let's go with a video game. Video games. All right, this is a good topic. Uh, Brian, your next topic is going to be Unreal Tournament. Hell yes! (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. All right, so cool. So I have Unreal Tournament. Uh, Paul still has the uh, Remember the 90s YouTube video, but next week we will actually be chatting about the Animorphs with Adam and his Animorphs. Woo. <laughs> Going out on tour, baby. So Straight thank you. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us on Dating Ourselves. If you like what you heard, there's more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us your submissions at datingourselvespodcast at aol.com. We've got mail. <laughs> If you reach the bottom rope, the submission will have to be broken. So just be aware, oh, be aware of that. So Wrestling joke. Oh. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. We post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash datingourselvespodcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us there at datingourselvespodcast. And we do the Twitter thing, too, at datedpodcast. And before we sign off, uh, Shoop, it's been a real pleasure uh, having you on here and sharing some of your stories about Kane and some of your trivia as well. Um, any, any final words yeah, you want to give you, the audience? Back. I just want to say, you know, I appreciate the time and having me on. It, it was fun. I've always wanted to do this and uh, just really appreciate it. So. Well, you you can definitely join us anytime, man. I appreciate it. I'll be there whenever you need me. <laughs> Sounds good. Good deal, dude. Well, with that, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dating. Bye. Bye. Bye.